Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here, Fightful Wrestling Podcast. This is going to be a fun episode. We're talking to Shane Helms about his WrestleMania experience. Shane's been a little bit of everywhere, WCW, WWE, now working with Impact Wrestling. Before we get into this, Shane, uh, definitely want to extend my condolences to Jim Ross uh, for the loss of his wife, Jan. Uh, What kind of experiences did you ever have with Jan? I always heard she was a, a wonderful woman. Yeah, uh, thank, thanks for doing that too, man. Um, yeah, that one that one hits close, man. You know, she's always one of those people that's just happy 100% of the time, you know, and, and makes you feel good about being around her. You know, I, I tweeted out that she was one of the sweetest human beings I think I've ever known, and, and you know, I stand by that 1,000%. And, man, my heart really goes for a long time. You know, that's relationship goals right there when you see – that's just, I mean, they always seem to be doing good. And I'm sure like everybody else, it was never, it wasn't always, you know, paradise, but man, they just seem like a really, really great couple. And, and I can't imagine uh, going through a loss like that, you know, so uh, Mahat goes out to JR and, and the whole family. Jan, Jan Ross really was an angel. Jim always speaks of her, always speaks of her. In any interview I've ever done with him, he has mentioned Jan and how important she is to him. One of the stories that I love about Jan Ross is Ric Flair tells a story about how they were on an airplane, and that's when Jim Ross met her. And he goes, she could have had the nature boy, but she picked Jim Ross. (laughs) (laughs) That was probably a wise decision. That was a very wise decision on her part. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So uh, we're talking WrestleMania. Your WrestleMania experiences. The thing I like about this, Shane, is – and when I told you this, you said, I don't have a lot of them. I think that's almost as interesting as having a bunch of them because you've, you've won a title there. You've worked with the aforementioned Ric Flair. You were also left off a couple of them. There were, you've been involved in a lot of different types of things, some backstage segments. So, so uh, we're going to talk about that. First off, what, what is your fondest WrestleMania memory of yourself? Of myself, it would be, uh, I mean, I guess winning the, uh, 
I guess winning a hardcore title at WrestleMania 18, you know, because that way you can say you won a championship at Mania. That's always cool to have on the resume. And then later that night, I actually snuck out into the crowd to watch Rock and Hogan live so I could be out there with them. Like, uh, because it's been a very important part of, of me and my career and how I look at my career that I never stopped being a fan. And so, and there's a lot of guys in the business that they won't go sit in the crowd. They don't, they don't want to mark out and all that poor shit that those guys say. You know, like when you watch boxing and you see Evander Holyfield or Mike Tyson in the crowd, are they marking out? Like, no, yeah. I just look at it as respecting what I do, never losing sight of where I came from. And I wanted to be out there in that moment. And being in that crowd with, in Toronto, with, you know, Toronto is one of my favorite cities in the world anyway. And just being in that crowd in that moment, you know, for, for me, that was awesome. Probably that one. I don't even. I think there's WrestleMania 18. Is that right? You'll you'll know better yes. than WrestleMania yeah. 18. Yeah, that's my favorite awesome. WrestleMania moment. I mean, Payas are from Toronto, actually. Then you know, if you want to go further, if if there's a second place for me, uh, it would be the WrestleMania in Detroit, where the opening match was uh, was myself and Carly, uh, myself and Chavo against Carlito and Ric Flair. You know, it's eighty three thousand people in attendance. Uh, being in being in the ring with Ric Flair in front of eighty three thousand people, you know, uh, that that's something you can't take away from me, whether you value my career or not. You know, that was that was <laughs> awesome to me. It's such a great moment, and and it was a great moment too because they had so many other guys to pick from for that match, but they specifically chose me and Chavo, and there were a lot of reasons uh, for that. You know, and so that that moment for me is uh, really special too. Can't wait to hear these stories. Now, you were not on WrestleMania 17, despite some WCW talent being there, some newly acquired talent. How did you feel about that? We touched on that a little bit during the the WCW buyout uh, podcast, which is up on Fightful.com, you guys. How how did you feel about that mentally? You had just won the Cruiserweight Championship maybe, what, a, a week or two before at, I think, Greed. And then you're not one of the guys brought in. Yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a week or two before. I actually, I, I honestly couldn't tell you when it was, but it was maybe a month, so maybe four weeks ago. Okay. Um, I wanted to be there, you know. I definitely wanted to be there, and I was just I kind of thought, well, okay, you know, I'm still a uh, unproven commodity. You know, I'm not sure if they really even know uh, a lot about me or anything like that. But um, I mean, I knew I was one of the first guys they called to pick up my contract. I knew that, so I felt good about that. And then I saw some of the guys that actually went, and I was like, yeah, they took that motherfucker, you know, <laughs> which is a bad mindset to have. You don't want to be one of those guys. <laughs> you know, you don't want to be why him and not me, but sometimes you can't help it. There's still That's still kind of a human human thing to do, you know. <laughs> they bought that motherfucker, you know, but um, it, it was what it was, so I just tried not to overthink it, and – then later I found out there really wasn't a lot of thought pit put into who they ta- who they took anyway. Yeah. So that was a, that made me feel a little bit better. It was basically so, like, I'm not really sure who these motherfuckers are, but let's bring them anyway. That's kind of what happened. So moving on to WrestleMania 18, this was your first WrestleMania. What was it like in the building? What time do you get there? What time are you told to be there? Do you show up early because this is your first one? Uh, I generally, I generally on the big shows, I was a show up early guy anyway, you know, just in case you never know what's going to happen. Some motherfucker might have the flu. Some guy might slip on water in the hallway and break his damn ankle. And there, there I am with my bag. So, I mean, 
but I was always excited about being there too, you know. So uh, yeah, I was never one to show up late, you know, uh, dad, and just I'm not an asshole, <laughs> you know, to show up late guy, type of guy. So um, yeah, I was there late, but you know, we had to access thing all week. So we're doing all, all of these major signings and appearances and there's just a lot of stuff going on and it was a lot to take in you know i don't know how old i was at that time what year was that 2002 that was 2002 so i was uh 48 at the time um <laughs> so yeah you know i mean I, I was just trying to take it all in uh see what i see the sights in toronto enjoy the moment you know pretending i'm a big star that sort of shit but uh it was it was excitement, you know. There's a lot of excitement around WrestleMania for everybody involved. What all did you do at Access? Hell, I don't even remember. I think we just I don't think we had matches at that point yet. Or if we did, I don't remember. I know we had a bunch of just a bunch of signings, a bunch of appearances, a bunch of media driven stuff, a bunch of uh like little uh, I really don't know what you call them, little activities, I guess, where you can interact with the fans. And that's the kind of stuff like I, I really get into anyway. You know, uh, like I said, I've never lost sight of being a fan. So anytime I could do something where the fans get up there and like maybe you do a promo with them and I'm the hurricane and they're whatever. And we go back and forth, like just a lot of little things like that. Th- this was just kind of um, this was my first access, so I didn't really have a lot of stuff to compare it to. But I know going forward, access just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And so this was the first one. It wasn't as big as the ones that came in the following years. Uh, not for me. We talked often, and and probably a show will cover your feud with Paul Birchall. A really underrated feud, in my opinion. That I thought was really good stuff. I figured out why it happened. He stole your shit, Shane. Oh, yeah? You came swinging in on a rope just like he did during the pirate <laughs> gimmick, and you kicked the shit out of Spike Dudley and took his hardcore title. I came in like a wrecking ball in that bitch, man. See? You did. Was that live or was that a pre-tape? No, that was live. That was live because if it was pre-taped, I would have liked the guy off a better kick. You know, it was uh, it was kind of <laughs> just an okay kick, but I wanted to kick the shit out of him. And you got – and like – that's swinging in on a rope and, and kicking somebody and then trying to land on your feet. That shit, to me, that don't even sound easy. But if it sounds easy, yeah. let me assure you that it is not. So I'm just worried I'm going to bust my damn ass. I did a couple, uh, you know, swing throughs before, but I'm not kicking spike in those, you know. So I just kind of swinging through. And uh, so, yeah, it was uh, it was okay. You know, I mean, I feel like uh, with some better camera angles in pre-tape, we could have made that a lot cooler. But uh, it was live, so one take, you know, take it or leave it. That's, that's what it's going to be. Hey, and like, a, and like the Dave Chappelle special said, one of my new favorite quotes. It was quotes, great. It was great. I'm like, evil Knievel, I get paid for the attempt. <laughs> yeah. Those Dave Chappelle things, man, like outside of some lingo that I think maybe hasn't – he hasn't updated his views with, other than that, maybe a couple words, I'm like – Man, this is phenomenal. And the second one was really cool because I got to see him live a couple years ago, which is on my bucket list. And it was a lot of that material, so that was really cool to see. You all got to check out those Dave Chappelle stand-ups. I'm happy to see that guy back, Shane. Man, he's a master. He's a master of delivery. And, like, what he says is funny, but there's a, some things he says, not a lot, that, other, you know, a hundred other people could say, and it wouldn't be funny. Yeah. He just has a way and a delivery, you know, a little twinkle in his eye to add some shit to it. He's adapted really well because his thing used to be how much he had struggled and stuff. Now his comedy is about how famous he is and 
Uh, and he joked up too. You can see it, especially in that second one. He's all yeah. he's all buffed up. I'm like, his ass been yep. in the gym. Yeah, uh, he ripped his pants the day that uh, we went and saw him live, and then immediately goes, "I'm gonna admit, I'm drunk as fuck." <laughs> so very nice. That was fun. Uh, I would like to imagine that Al Snow enters any situation backstage at Impact Wrestling like he did at WrestleMania 18, just fumbling through a bunch of boxes. Can you confirm that? Say that one more time. I would like to think that Al Snow enters any backstage situation at Impact Wrestling the way he did on this show, fumbling through a bunch of boxes. Yes, that's exactly how he does it. I, I figured. How long before WrestleMania are you told this angle is happening? Uh, I think I was told that I would be involved with the hardcore title. Uh, something in the back and like and, and that was kind of it i don't think there were any details um so you know i had a very i had a very trusting relationship with with creative at the time and um and too like i was i was i was still pretty new so i'm one of those guys i'm gonna have to do what the hell they say <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. I, I wasn't any in any position to be uh you know, trying to bargain my way or, you know, talk my way out of doing shit. So I don't even think, I didn't even have the short hair at the time. I think I still had the long hair. Uh, right? Yeah, I think I still had the long hair in that gimmick too. So I, you know, it was, I, I'd got the mask though. I think I was out of the makeup. I'd got the mask. I think, fuck, I can't remember. Did you see? Well, I, it's, it's hard for me to remember. I, I did watch these back though, but about 10 minutes later, you end up in somebody's dressing room, Shane, and you're her perving out. Oh, yeah. I did some method acting on that one. That's what I did. Watching the hose. Godfather's hose. He catches you. There's this thing. They got the divider and the shadow makes it look like you're holding like like your wiener, I guess. There's plenty of wiener talk on this podcast. And then, Why are you saying you guess? You know that's exactly what it is. I, I suppose. Sure. Uh Godfather comes in and runs you off. Which after, is, after snatching away my wiener. So so let's uh, – what kind of pimp is the Godfather to run away potential – a potential consumer? Exactly. I mean, I, we, we should have started talking business. Yeah, that's, that's bad business, Godfather. He got, he got in the Hall of Fame on that. But to his defense, pimping ain't easy. That, that is true. That is accurate. About 56 minutes later, you were sneaking around backstage and you're interviewed by the coach. You claim that you are not a huraperv, and Mighty Molly shows up. And in what I rank up there, like if, if the bedpan with Vince McMahon and Steve Austin was one of the greatest sound effects in wrestling history, this one's right up there too. Because this had to fucking hurt Shane. She <laughs> cracks you in the back of the head with a frying pan and yeah. wins the title and runs out. Yeah. And so How like much that, did you have to sell there? Because I would imagine that didn't feel too good. No, it didn't feel too good. It didn't feel with the shit. And I remember telling him, I don't know if we talked about this on a previous episode or not, but the sound guys and the lighting guys, we were doing this. And I was like, if there's any fuck up, if the microphone's in the way or the lighting isn't right or the verbiage is broken, if there's anything that you might think we're going to have to redo this, stop it before she hits me with this fucking frying pan. Like, cause that shit's going to happen just once. <laughs> so, yeah, just once. And the sound effect was my damn, the back of my neck and head. Bastard. So Molly, 
Molly, uh, I would imagine you all had a pretty good friendship this time. You're working. I mean, now the hardcore title, not the most prestigious thing, but not a lot of women are women winning men's championships of any kind. I mean, that it's a nice nice spot for her. It's kind of cool that they were able to to put that in there. Uh, what did you think of that decision? Uh, it, it was good. It was fun. It was definitely fun because, uh, you know, I knew that Molly didn't need to be uh, my sidekick anymore. And um, so and, and we were that, that angle had run its course. That storyline had, had run its course. And uh, it was time it was time for the breakup to happen. So it's cool that it happened at Mania. So <laughs> Terry would later go on to become a women's hardcore champion. I think Bobcat, who was one of the Godfather's hoes, went on to to win it as well. So uh, it kind of set the tone. <laughs> so what what did you think of the, this gimmick? I thought it was pretty entertaining. And it, I like how it was woven in and out of the show because every time you would go back, you would see stuff. Also, at the end, Maven had a little, like, a, a lot more natural charisma than I remembered him having. Like, a lot of people just remember him for, for that drop kick and stuff. The guy had something, and I, I always like he was always – nice dude to me when I interacted with him, but he had a little spot and he ended up with the championship beating Christian and driving off. What did, what did you think of the angle as a whole? Uh, I, I thought it was really good. I mean, and I like the fact, like you, like you mentioned that it uh, kind of, you know, went in and out during the show and never really quite ended because that kind of played up to the 24 uh, seven aspect of that title. So, you know, I liked it. I like stuff happening backstage where you can take a break from the in ring action to see some shenanigans going on. You know, it kind of adds to the anything can happen atmosphere and just how crazy WrestleMania could be, uh, or just pro wrestling in general. You know, I like it anytime we do shit like that backstage, no matter the show. So, uh, I liked it, and it was fun to be a part of. Now, you, and it you talked about this a little bit earlier. Only, it also made me one of only two people to ever be hardcore champion in WCW and WWE. Oh wow! Who was the other one? So when you Probably. think of hardcore wrestling, you don't think of Terry Funk. Oh no, you don't think of Mick Foley. Oh no. You think of the hurricane. I think of Norman Smiley. I think of Norman think Smiley. Of Norman exactly. <laughs> he was great too. That's that's what I, I did like that about the, the WCW Hardcore Championship. It gave guys like Norman Smiley like mm-hmm. a different kind of edge. It was kind of it was cool. Now you talked about this earlier. Where do you watch Rock Hulk from? Like we're at in the crowd. Um, I snuck down the uh, barricade because I. Uh... You could sneak out down where the curtain was. Well, I mean, where the curtain was, uh, by the side of the of the entrance, and I just snuck down and and got through the crowd, and I was just kind of itching my way, itching my way. And certain people would like, hey, "Are you the hurricane?" I go, "Yeah, I just want to watch." And they go, "Okay, okay," and they would kind of let me let me uh, sneak beside them. So you revealed uh, your identity. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't you know if if it could get me closer, to, it wasn't like I, I could mean, go what, out there and just jump in somebody. Superhero, seat. are you? Hey man, I'm a, I'm like a Tony Stark. I am Iron Man. People just know Jesus. Now you're you're not on WrestleMania 19 after you had one of the hottest angles of your career. Uh, does that rub you the wrong way, or are you cool with it? Like almost like a trade off. Like, well, I was a part of this hot angle. I just beat the Rock. So yeah, de- definitely not rub me the wrong way. I saw, I saw, I know, I understand the reasoning why why they uh, made that decision. Um, uh, but I mean, I still would have loved to have been a part of that, no doubt. And I still think there was something they could have done, you know, somewhere to add to it. But at the same time, you know, it, it'd be pretty greedy of me to ask for anything more than, you know, than what I got. Yeah, to, I mean, uh, the weeks leading up to that. So 
I'm so pretty what humble do you do when all, it comes to shit like that. What do you do all day? Are you in gear? Are you in street clothes? Do you go Dennis Stamp, rest his soul, and just, I'm not booked. I'm not coming. No, man, I'm there to support the show. I'm there to, uh, I'll, I'll be there no matter what. So, um, I mean, when you're not when you're not on the show, you know, you just, uh, you can either go to one of the boxes and watch. They generally have a viewing area for their families and stuff. So go up there and watch. So you, I'm sure you took your gear there because one of those in case shit happens things almost happened on this show with Steve Austin. I don't remember what you're talking about. He was hospitalized uh, like early, early the morning of WrestleMania and almost didn't get to wrestle at WrestleMania. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, he he talks about it a lot in his DVD and his book. Uh, I think it was based on dehydration. I'd have to go back and look at that. But he was hospitalized in the wee hours of that. He said he had been drinking nothing but but energy drinks, and his body just gave out on him. And, I mean, <laughs> hypothetically, this is completely hypothetical, and I'm sure somebody read this and go, that fucking egomaniac. If Austin wouldn't have been able to go, and they said – they said, well, you know, Hurricane's here. He's not on the show. He's been feuding with The Rock. How would that have worked? Uh, I, I'm sure if Austin wouldn't have been there, there would have been somebody else they would have put it in first other than me. But uh, it would have been awesome. We would have went out there and uh, tried to recreate that magic and do the best we could. And I'm pretty sure I would have ended it up with a severe ass whooping on that one. Uh, that's why I have no rematch clause in my contract with The Rock. Hey, I, I wish more wrestling companies legitimately didn't have rematch clauses. I think it's, I think it almost handcuffs them sometimes when somebody loses a title and you got to beat them right away too. So that was WrestleMania 19, WrestleMania 20. You're, you're not on the card, but you have again, the rock and it's a callback to your, your rock feud and you're back there oh, with, yeah. you're back there with Rosie <laughs> the Rock's giving like a tour of Madison Square Garden, and this would be the last WrestleMania that ever happened at Ra- Madison Square Garden. It's just, just not big enough anymore. And he's like, look, it's the Hamburglar, and you've got like a hamburger in your hand, and you pass it off to Rosie. <laughs> yep. So uh, after that, you all are back. It, it shows you in the background, and you, you're talking. Are you all talking, or are you miming? Are you actually saying shit to each other? I'm probably I'm pretty sure we were saying something. I doubt it was the same time. We actually uh you know went over that a couple of times and um I remember I think I told you Rosie was back there eating the burgers. Yeah, he was. And I was like, you gotta save some for the actual shot. You know, he was putting the motherfuckers away. Because we're back there hungry as fuck waiting on this shot. So uh we'd been in gear, you know, and we had to be ready and they had it make sure everything was lit because Rock did that live, but yeah, you know. That didn't mean that we all rushed into place five seconds before that shot. Our ass was there in position for a long time, waiting on it and staring at these damn hamburgers. And so Rosie's I'll be asking boy, you, big boys got to eat. I'll, I'll be asking you this a lot about what you do on the show. Like, when do you find this out? Is this something that you know? Hey, you're gonna have a thing with the Rock, like leading into it. Oh, yeah. or the day of? Are they like, this is what you're doing? Uh, that was probably day of. You know, I mean, that was like, like I said, that wasn't something. Um, keep in mind, like when, when agents and writers have certain talents that are easy to work with, he's like, all right, we ain't got to talk this guy into this. He's going to, it's going to be a good spot. He's going to enjoy it. So no big deal. You got, you got talent like that. Then you got certain talent where you're like, all right, let me go ahead and talk to this motherfucker. Cause he ain't going to want to do it. 
or I'm going to want to have to, oh, I got to have to explain it to him so that he understands exactly what's going on. It was a good spot and I was pretty easy to work with. So, you know, I'm, I'm a team player. I'm one of those guys. I like, I like every aspect of the show. You know, I don't have to be in the main event to be happy. I can be in the, you know, if I am in the main event, cool. And if I'm in the opening match, cool. If I'm in a backstage segment, cool. I'm a fan of the totality of the product. So I was, uh, you know, easy to work with. So. At the same time, you're selling the balls off some merchandise at this point. Like you're doing really well. And it's a second. My merchandise had no balls. Because you sold it off of them. Yeah. This is a second straight year you didn't wrestle. And I mean, this is before your neck injury. You were healthy. You were in good shape. You were good to go. You had you and Rosie were popular. Did, were you like, damn, I'd really like to get back in the ring on one of these fucking shows? Yeah, I mean, of course you think you uh, that there's always that, you know, because that's that's where we all want to be. You always want to be in that match. But then you look at like I'm making more money than some of the guys that are on the show and I'm bringing home better merch checks than most of the guys on the show. So uh, it's a give and take, you know. Um, ideally, you want to have both of those, you know, you want to be that rock or, or Jericho or Austin that's on the show and also uh, bringing home the big merch checks. But uh, that was the trade off I had to make. And um you know, that was that was the kind of the give and take of the hurricane character. You know, it, it there was a there was a level of seriousness that you could only go so far with the hurricane. And uh it was what it was. It had its pluses and then minuses it ups and downs, and some of the downs were that, you know, like I missed WrestleMania here and there. Look. Do you get a mania check for that? Like a payoff, special payoff? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. And, you know, and, and sometimes to- that payoff is uh, compared on your popularity, too. So mm-hmm. it, I, I'm willing to bet that I made more just for that than, you know, somebody might have made in a match. Did. Uh, uh, prob- probably. <laughs> well, I mean, they had to I offset think I made the more, price. I don't of- think I made more than The Rock did on, on that particular skit, though. <laughs> they had to offset the price of the cheeseburgers he ate, too. Do you, do you talk to The Rock before this and, like, you know, catch up? Hey, what's up? He'd been on TV a little bit before that, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We caught up. I mean, every time we got a chance to hang out, we did, so. So, WrestleMania 21, you're in the Battle Royal, and as we've seen in Battle Royal and Royal Rumble situations, the shit doesn't go well for you, Shane. Where is uh, – you got to remind me where these are at whenever you say WrestleMania 21. Is that in uh, L.A.? Yes. WrestleMania yes. goes to Hollywood. Yeah, and I will say, I watched Pulp Fiction for the first time ever a couple weeks ago. Eddie and Booker T looked more believable in their Pulp Fiction mock gear than Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta did. Now, why is it you didn't like Pulp Fiction? Is that what's going on? Okay, so people had asked me what I thought of Pulp. Why have you not seen it before now? I don't know. I guess that. There are some movies I had very, very terrible taste in movies up until like maybe six or seven years ago, and I'm really ADHD. So if a movie's two hours, like or two and a half hours, three hours long, kind of hard for me to get through. Uh, but I've never been a Tarantino guy because I think there's a lot of unneeded dialogue in his movies. Now, if his movies were like an hour and forty five minutes, I think I would probably love them all. But I don't know; it wasn't my thing. Do you read books a lot? I'm like, I'm gonna go with no. Right now, I am reading Psychology of Physical Activity. How about that, Shane? I have a feeling that book's been there, and you've just been waiting for a reason to pick it up. 
Yeah, I've been waiting for you to set me up for, for I also have the WWE rule book, which is garbage. Um, but yeah, I read a little bit. I'm not buying that at all. Yeah, I just brought a book off my. I've been thinking you table. you're reading that book because you like have to for some fucking reason, but some shit like that. Do you read on a consistent basis? Because if you don't like dialogue, like number one, that's what Tarantino. Well, unneed, unneeded dialogue that doesn't contribute to the plot, doesn't contribute to the central focus. That's one of the things I loved about Breaking Bad. Like outside of that fly episode, and really the end of it mattered. Almost every second of that show mattered. That's that's what I really liked about that. The Wire was really good about that. So, did you like Seinfeld? All white people like Seinfeld. That's that's a trick. If I've ever seen it, <laughs> every white person in history likes Seinfeld. That's Come racist. On. You're stereotyping. That's cultural <laughs> yeah, give appropriation. A, give me a break. All right. So, at Wrestle, WrestleMania 21. Sidebar. First, yeah, you're the first guy chucked out. How does that make you feel? I don't get paid by the hour. I'm the hurricane. I got to fly. Sometimes I fly over the top rope to the floor. <laughs> Who threw me out? Who threw you out? I, I'm about to find out. I can't believe I didn't put that in my notes. What the hell am I doing with my life? Was this the one we had on the red shirts and the blue shirts? Yeah, probably. Yeah, it was. Because Booker T won. Um, I think Luther, I this shit off. It, it is the cousin of a current WWE star, Luther Reigns, obviously. He's Roman Reigns's cousin you know he's in that samoan dynasty right he threw me out yeah that luther brains threw me out that motherfucker yeah horseshoe as he was formerly known also guys you don't have to, i don't even remember that you guys don't have to fucking tweet me i know that luther reigns isn't samoan so how are these laid out or are they or do you get in the ring and you're just like fuck it yeah they're laid out it's wrestlemania we're not gonna go out there and just say fuck it sure well, I got the easy part. I remember, uh, you know, if you, uh, it gets tricky in the middle. Like the beginning parts of the Battle Royale are pretty good, and the, the ending, of course, is very important. It's in the middle when everybody has the potential to get hurt by flying feet and people suplexing each other in the middle of a fucking Battle Royale. Um, I was just in a 40-man Battle Royale this past weekend in West Virginia. Oh, no. WV, 40 men. I was number 40, though. Look at the draw, baby. How did I get so lucky? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, after I can't really tell you how uh, how uh, intricately well this this one was laid out because after my spot I was done. So uh, I don't think I I don't recall being too involved or even trying to you know help anybody else out come up with a good spot on how to get eliminated. Are there any rules of thumb in these battle royals? Like I've seen some that are laid out. I've been in some where they're like. Don't bump unless there's four or less people in the ring. I, you'll in no the, avoid in, injury. In the, uh, WWE rings is a little bit easier because it's a bigger, a bigger space. You got a little bit more space, so you just got to be smart about that shit. You know, I mean, guys doing rope spots. You know, shooting somebody to the corner all the way across the ring. If there's 15 people in there, obviously that could lead to to disaster. Um, just on these, you want to try to think of you know original ways to go out to uh, not be redundant and. and how people get eliminated, you know, especially if you're one of the last guys going out toward the end. I always like to uh, not just have a regular, especially if I was going to be one of the later guys. You know, in the beginning, it kind of don't matter. You can just get fucking tossed if you need to. But um, you want to have a memorable way to get thrown out and not just, you know, hey, just toss me. You don't want to do one of those things. 
I, I'm a sucker. But a lot of guys still do. There are, there are amazingly a lot of guys that have zero fucking creativity when it comes to stuff like that. And, you know, a, a, a lot of guys were like, oh, who cares? It's a battle royal. You know, but. Were, were uh, you one of those you know, guys that were like, I'm, I'm glad to be on this show. I'm just glad to be back in the ring, even if it is this. Yeah, I was glad to be on every show. You know, I mean, you always make the most of it. Like, a, I actually talked some guys through a tough moment at the last TVs because they were doing some shit they didn't want to do. And it was some shit they shouldn't have been doing. And it was a, a stupid spot for them to be in. But that's the way it was laid out. So whatever. And I just told him, you know, I said, you got to look at every match like a test. And some tests are easy and some tests are hard. How do you pass this test? And if you kind of look at it like that, I mean, it kind of simplifies things like, okay, this is my little moment. This is all I got. How, how do I win? How do I win this moment? How do I make the most out of this moment? You know, so, uh, and of course, everybody wants to be the world champion and, every, and everybody wants to be the quarterback, but it's not set up like that. It's just not. There's going to be people, you know, you need a kicker on the football team, and the kickers won a lot of football games. So if you're the kicker, you got to go out there and kick that fucking field goal. Don't miss the field goal because then you look like an asshole. So if you got like a little tiny spot on the show or, you know, a little, even if it's considered by some a throwaway spot, if you fuck up that throwaway spot, how how good do you look then? Then you look even worse. So, you know, go out there and give it your all no matter what. Wisdom from Shane Helms. It's almost like you do this for a living. Almost. Shining wisdom. That's nice. I, I want to say this, too. Uh, the girl that you all have for LAX, what, what's she going by on Impact now? Because it was Angel Rose, but I think it's – Diamande. And she I, can had I tell a you this that, real quick? I want to tell you this real quick because you asked me that. It's Diamond in Spanish. Diamande. Oh, okay. Something like that. And so she- – Backstage, ahead, uh, backstage reporter Mackenzie, if that is her real name, uh, she was asking me how to pronounce, and I said I don't have any fucking clue. And I said, "Hey, Kate, Conan's over here," and uh, so I took that time to introduce him because she didn't know him, and I was like, "Just ask him; he'll tell you how to do it." And Conan goes, "Diamande," and she goes, "Diamande," and he goes, "No, Diamande," and she goes, "Diamande," he goes, "No, no, Diamande," and I was sitting there going, "It sounded exactly the fucking same to me every time." <laughs> But to him, there was some kind of little difference that I wasn't hearing. And then he goes, like, yeah, yeah, that's right. And he walked away and he walked away. I looked at her and I go, did that sound the exact same to you every time? And she goes, oh. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oh my God, yeah. And I go, okay, just say it like however he said it, but it's Diamande or some shit like that. Well, to your point, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing her uh, on Impact TV because a match that they had filmed in February with her and Oscar aired on uh, NXT TV this week. 
She sold her right. ass off. I mean, like, I've never seen somebody take that spinning wheel kick like that. I've never seen somebody take uh, mm-hmm. Asuka's running hip attack like that. Uh, very few times can somebody hitting you in the face with their ass look good. And this girl made it look like a million bucks. She did her job. And what's she doing now? She's over in a hot angle on impact, and she, she's right in the thick of it. So I'm looking forward to seeing her. And, that, I mean, that proves your point. She went there. She did her job. It's not the most glorious job in the world. And shit worked out for her. So looking looking forward to seeing her and really the rest of LAX. I like that. That's a great transition, Sean Sapp. Hey, what do you know? It's like I do this for a living. Booker T won this battle royal. That seemed like the right call. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's a he's a big star. Big he star. Is a big star. Was he on he was on Raw too, so Raw won? Raw one. So technically you won. My team won. It was a team versus team. Victory. So, so I won a hardcore title at a WrestleMania. The next one, my team wins the Battle Royal. I did take the pattern. Another interesting Facebook shit starter, Simon Dean was also in this Battle Royal. Simon Dean. Yeah. He does like to kick up that shit. We have a WrestleMania... 22 in Chicago. You had just won the cruiserweight title. It's not on the show. You're not in the battle royal. What the fuck was going on? Was I was I hurt? I was Hurricane here. No, you had just turned to Gregory Helms and just won the cruiserweight title. It was in Chicago. Triple H Cena. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's a bunch of bullshit. It is a bunch That's of bullshit. It kind of seems like they're shitting all over the fact that the cruiserweight division even exists. When yeah, they bring I, knew, but I just wanted at the rumble, right? I just wanted at yeah. the rumble. And so uh, they were really down. I, I was going to be the la- I mean, they weren't happy with the way that division was going. Uh, and then they put the belt on me. So, I mean, keep in mind that WrestleMania is booked before the rumble. So yeah. uh, I know putting it on me, they wanted to sit, they wanted to send the division around me and, and rebuild it and everything. So, uh, that was probably already just set in place. Nothing, nothing to do with whoever was going to be the champ. It could have been anybody, and it wasn't going to be a match on the card. So you're not in the Battle Royal either, but a lot of other cruiserweights are. Funaki's in there, Psychosis, Mercury, and Nitro, who weren't in that division, but they, they were. They were cruiserweights. Uh, Super Crazy, they're in there. Why, why aren't you? What the hell's going on here? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. It might have been. I, I think I kind of seem to recall this being one of those times where they just didn't have anything for me, so it's like best to just not do anything. One of those deals. Yeah. I, and it could have been a, a million different reasons. So, were you in Chicago for that? Yeah. Yeah. Did you do anything that week? Access all that good stuff. I'm pretty sure I did. I don't have a lot of memories of it though, for some reason. So I must have did a lot. Need to take that on at Alpha Brain, man. I do take it, man. That shit don't work. Yeah, bullshit. How it just, dare it, you? It just makes me have crazy dreams that I wake up and fucking does, either happy as hell does, or in a damn blind panic. It does make me uh, have lucid dreams. Like I become aware that I'm dreaming in my dream. Yeah, yeah. And like all the time. I'll, be, I'll be skydiving and shit, and I'm like, well, I, I can't die. Let's just go head first. Yeah, it's great. It's great for dreams. And it's great for the good dreams. The good dreams get really, really hey. good. But then when, if you have a nightmare, the fucking Slender Man is walking in your house and you can't get away from that motherfucker. 
I'm going to tell you. So here, here's, here's a fun one. WrestleMania 23. You're on the pre-show, but you are working with Ric Flair. Woo. And as a guy who has said what kind of wrestling you came up watching, that had to be a dream come true. It's you and Chavo against Ric Flair and Carlito, and I'll have a lot of questions about this. But your reaction when you are told, hey, you're going to work with that Ric Flair guy at WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was that was that was awesome, man. There was a lot of tag teams that were legit tag teams. They were just starting to go with me and Chavo too, and they and um, they really liked me and Chavo as a team. And I think I talked about this before. There were plans uh, and to- at least talks about me and Chavo getting a run with the titles before my my neck injury. Um, I'll tell you a really funny, uh, stupid Helms moment uh, at this WrestleMania, and this was the WrestleMania too. Uh, Trump was there, right? Yes. And so uh, a photographer asked me to take a picture with him, and I said no, because I didn't like that motherfucker back then. Wow. I didn't like him on sight. I'm really – I really trust my instincts. They're not always right, uh, but they're about 98%, so I'm going to stick with those odds. (laughs) If I don't like somebody on sight, there's there's a good possibility I'm never going to like them, and there's something – and there's a reason why, and I I just didn't like him. And uh, so one of the photographers like, Hurricane, you want to take a picture with Trump? Nope. Just like that. Nope. Skid down. And um and I was just there watching something like it because uh, he it wasn't like I was following him around. Something happened that was in my peripheral. But anyway, um it's a long fucking way from the locker rooms to the uh gorilla position. And you had to walk down these stairs and then get on a fucking golf cart or some shit. And uh they had a big, like, a, uh, the handrail, the barrier to go down the steps, like you handrail. Like, I slid down that bitch like a kid, and I hit that damn nerve. And, like, it, the, the guardrail, if you can see me, at an angle, and then it levels off because then you got a level of stairs and then more stairs or a flat way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like two levels of stairs. Stairs, then it goes flat, and then more stairs. And so the guardrail, where it was flat, kind of leveled off, and it hit that nerve cluster oh, right no. on my quad. There's a nerve cluster on your quad where uh, combatants are trained to hit, and it will light your ass up. And, it, man, it hit, and I, like, I hit it. I was like, God. And I seriously, like, I thought I broke my fucking leg bone. And I was like, oh. and this is why I'm going to Gorilla. <laughs> this is why. Oh, no. To work to with Ric Flair at WrestleMania. Yeah. And I'm back there being a jackass, but I'm just happy. I'm in a happy mood, so I'm going to slide down this guardrail and just wham. And I was like, motherfucker. And I'm trying to act like it don't hurt, and I'm I'm starting to realize it's not broke, you know, because I can walk on it, but fuck, it hurt. And Chopper's like, him, you all right? And I'm like, yeah, and I'm trying to pretend like I ain't got tears in my eyes and shit, man. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> boy, it hurt like a motherfucker. Like, I don't know what a jackass thing to even try. But, uh. And then, I too, I remember on the way to the ring, it was a long walk. You know, and they're kind of like, you guys hurry up to the ring, you know, uh, get get down there. And I remember uh, as we started to go, Chavo started to walk, and I touched him on his arm, and I said, take your fucking time. Uh, and we strolled you feel down once you got the ring? Oh, uh, man, at rings where I'm the most comfortable. So I'm never – I don't really have a problem with nerves. You know, uh, once I'm in there, then everything's everything's uh, exactly how it's supposed to be in my mind. So I'm fine once I'm in there. And with that many people, it don't even look like people anymore. It just looks like, it looks like you're looking at the ocean. So you just kind of look around, but you can't focus on anybody, you know, unless you see some kind of like that's where the signs really come into play. If you see somebody with a really great sign, you can like look for it. But, just, 
you know, 10,000 signs out there at least, you know, and, you, know, you got to imagine one out of every 10 people has a sign. So they're just fucking everywhere. It was, it was, it's really surreal, hard to explain. A build 80,000 at Ford Field here. Is this the biggest crowd you ever performed in front of? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. That's, that's insane. 80,000. Who would have thought that back in like, they didn't used to go to stadiums. Now they won't go to, to a place unless it has a stadium. And I think there was more people there yeah. than were there for the Super Bowl, which makes sense because you got more area to sit people in. So, I mean, it's one of those bragging points where it's like, yeah, well, you, you don't got to put a fucking football field. <laughs> That's a football field you're working around with, with during the Super Bowl. But it's a cool little Now they have, they have you tagging with a guy who had just won your Cruiserweight Championship. Now, I can't remember the lead-up of that, but you, you have this year-plus run ended. Is this another one of those situations? Like like I mentioned the Rock thing in, at WrestleMania 19. It's like, well, they're taking something from me, but they gave me an awful lot. You had the Cruiserweight title taken from you, but you're working, as I've said multiple times, with Ric Flair as a guy who grew up watching Ric Flair mm-hmm. in front of 80,000 people. It, like, yeah. was there any of that going through your mind or just, you were just like, no, no, no. The cruiserweight thing was done. You know, I, I was done with that and I had outgrew the title, you know, uh, it just, it was what it was. I didn't need that title anymore. I'm not even, I wouldn't even say Chavo needed it at that point. Um, but I knew they wanted to give him something. And, and, uh, and I think this was, does he still have the title at this point? Yes, he does. He lost okay. it to Hornswoggle in July. Yeah. Th- and the uh, the Hornswoggle thing happened because of uh, Ken Kennedy was supposed to be Vincent McMahon's son, and then uh, he got in some kind of trouble or couldn't be, and then it was going to be Hornswoggle, and they wanted to give Hornswoggle something, and that was the only title that in their mind made sense, although most of us thought it was absolutely fucking ridiculous. And um, that was the death of the Cruiserweight this division is, right there. After, this is after you all had rehabilitated it from – there was this period, no disrespect to Jacqueline. Jacqueline's double tough, but they had put it on Jacqueline for a week and a half. Mm-hmm. And Chavo yeah. had like a couple of days. Then his dad won it, who in his day yeah. was phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. Without but, a doubt. Yeah. It was, yeah, that so, was weird. Um, yeah, but I, so I wasn't even thinking about that title anymore at that point. And I mean, me and Chavo were just rolling as a tag team. So that's where, that's kind of where my head was at anyway. So. Uh, Recurring theme, when do you find out you're working Ric Flair and Carlito? Um, maybe the night before. Maybe the day before on this one, or a couple of days before. Because we I – think, I think we knew that Chavo and Flair – I mean, Carlito and Flair were going to be in a match. And I think we just assumed that it would be one of the legit tag teams or one of the uh, other, uh-huh. you know, standard tag teams that would be in there with, with them. Um and so uh, when we found out it was us, we were pretty jacked. You know, uh, word through the grapevine is that Flair spoke up for me. So that's that's got to be pretty. That's got to feel nice. Oh yeah, of course. You know, Flair's. I've always had a great relationship for me. Uh, great relationship for me. A great relationship with me. Uh, <laughs> and so I mean, it had to be it had to be Vince's call or Michael Hayes's call or you know uh, whoever the head writer was at the time's call. So it was somebody that there was whatever, 20 other guys on the outside, a couple of them actually legit people that teamed a lot, and they just said, no, we want these guys. So there's definitely a, a, a pat on the ass there from somebody. So the Ric Flair and Carlito partnership, that was an interesting one because you could always tell WWE saw something in Carlito. 
Mm-hmm. And there were all, all these rumors, and sometimes it would shine through on TV that maybe he wasn't a motivated guy. And there was this incredible promo that Ric Flair cut on him backstage mm-hmm. uh, that they showed where he was like, I'd give anything to be in your position right now. You better wake up and see what you got. I thought this was awesome because you could see the realism shining through. Like, it was great. And Carlito, I don't think, ever realized what WWE wanted him to realize, but um, – this was a cool dynamic. What what did you think of Carlito, the position he was in, and and their pairing? I thought the pairing was really cool. I, I like you know I mean I like both both personalities, and I mean Carlito, especially with that Caribbean cool personality, was just a Puerto Rican version of Ric Flair to to a to a degree. You know, good looking guy, very talented in the ring. You know, over with the ladies. You know, so he was a, there was a lot of the nature boy in Carlito there. Carlito though definitely makes things look easy. And sometimes when he makes things look easy, people think that they are easy. And that does not mean that that's the case. He's still working his ass off. He works hard in the gym. I've been in matches with him. I've teamed with him. He's in there busting his ass. But there is some things that he makes look cool. But just because he has the ability and that much talent that he makes it look easy, it doesn't mean it is. And that was one of those things that when that became his reputation, it just kind of snowballed. And more and more people believed it just because it was being said. And I don't think that was actually the case. Yeah, you had a, a guy 220. Effect. Yeah, you had a guy 220, 230 pounds that did a double springboard moonsault and made it look like like not like oh no big deal. Because he just whipped it out yeah. one day. He'd never done it in his years before in WWE. And just one day on a on a raw, he just busted out and people were like, Wait, what? What the Sometimes hell is that? Sometimes you just got to whip it out. <laughs> it's true. That's true. This is a lumberjack match. <laughs> How the hell do you organize one of these? Are you just like heels beat the shit out of the faces? Faces beat the shit out of the heels? Yeah, it's, do it. it's some shit. It's basically, that's what it is. We knew we were going to keep most of it in the ring, you know, uh, opening match. So we're going to keep most of it in the ring. Go outside to in- include the lumberjacks to a degree because you got to do something with them out there. But, um, you know. Keep most of it inside. 360 OTC sponsored this show. Were you a user of 360 OTC extra strength pain relief? No, I have no idea even what that shit is. Yeah, you shouldn't. It doesn't exist anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, by saliva, did you rock out to that in your car? Ladies and gentlemen. No, not at all. You know, they wrote that song with WrestleMania in mind. No idea. I couldn't tell you one saliva song, and I probably know a couple. Really? Yeah. They I'm, used a I'm, ton of them, like Superstar and Click, Click, Boom. Click, Click, Boom, I remember. Yeah. yeah, they were big back in the day. The Memory Will Never Die by Default. Do you remember that song? No. Another theme of WrestleMania. Not their best. But I'm not good with band names or song names. I had it. Man, I, I went to a Kiss concert one time, and I was like, I'm not going to know any of this shit. And uh, I knew Dale like Tim Borg there. Huh? Was yeah, Dale, Dale Torborg Torborg there? And um, was it? I just no, not at all. Oh shit! And uh, I knew about like ten songs. Like oh, but I'm like that with musicians. I won't know you, and then I hear you sitting like, oh yeah, I know you. That's how my brain. Yeah. Goes. Moving on to 2008, you were you were injured. You missed that WrestleMania. Were you there or did you stay home? Where was this? 2008. Yeah, I should have probably looked that up. It's WrestleMania 24. It is in Florida because that's Ric Flair's last match. Yeah, I was there. 
So you you've been out for a while. They they fly you in, right? Yeah. Yeah. So do they have you doing anything, or are you just kind of laying low till the show? How's that work? Yeah, I think I just did autograph signings and stuff like that. You know, just there for the show. Uh, one of those things they they could have. You know, to reach out to you, do you want to stay home? Do you want to come? Like, I definitely want to come. Okay, we'll fly you and, you know, a significant other in and take care of me. And, you know, very generous thing to do. So, Did you cry when Ric Flair lost? It was sad. I don't think Did I Did you cry? No, I don't think I cried. It's one of the most emotional moments I've ever seen in wrestling where you can see him bawling his eyes out as he's about to get pinned. But Flair does cry a lot, though. So this, this probably wasn't the he first time I've seen him cry. But he does cry a lot. So he does, he does. Uh, so your your last WrestleMania experience is in 2009. You are serving as a lumberjack in a match. So I mean, you kind of told me how that plays out. It's just like faces beat up the heels, heels beat up the faces. Hey, was this um, Houston? Had to be Houston. It was Houston, Reliance Stadium, 72,000 people. So as we're about to go out, uh, I somebody says Evander Holyfield's over there, and I look, and Evander Holyfield's my favorite boxer of all time. And uh, who won the Cruiserweight title on my birthday because he did it for me, or so I believe as a young boy. And so um, and I look over there, and I was like, fuck this. I'm going to see him. And so I run over there and I'm trying to get a picture with him and Charles Robinson takes the picture and I'm just sitting there talking to him and they're calling me and I don't hear it. And I finally somebody runs over and goes, you gotta fucking go. So then I have to run back and go, go out there and uh, be a fucking lumberjack. But I was like so enamored with Vander Holyfield. I you know, totally fucking forgot that the show's starting and I got to get to the ring. So uh, I we'll, do a, we'll do a sidebar here. How'd you feel when Evander Holyfield was booked to box Matt Hardy on TV. That, that, hap- that happened too when I was I was out with my broken neck. So when Matt called me, I was because like, he knew, you know, Evander's your boy, right? And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, fuck, I couldn't be there. And I was <laughs> so upset I couldn't be there and see it. But uh, man, that was cool. I loved it because Matt has the worst fighting stance of all time. Well, he's, he's got like he's got. And, you know, he's got I mean, Jimmy leg. Yeah, he's got the the leg thing that you know he kind of got to wobble sometimes. Whenever he hits the ropes, I'm like. He's is he gonna fall over? Like I remember, it was something about his hip sockets, isn't it? Yeah, his hip sockets are broken. Oh, see what I did there? Ah, look at you with your delayed dumbass reaction. Dumb, D U M, dumb. Well, you didn't put the T M after you said it, like Impact's doing now. So I didn't know. I it <laughs> clearly wasn't a broken joke. Gotta trademark that shit. How are they gonna trademark Nero? That's a motherfucker's name, Shane. Nero. Neron is a name for the devil. I don't get it. Um so you know, not, any other memories of, of that lumberjack situation? I had some cool ass shorts that I only wore one time that a fan made me. They were like cool ass MMA type uh Shorts that had the Hurricane logo, and I wore them out there. Other than that, I, no, I don't remember shit about that. You leave before Mania the next year. Uh, were you a little upset you wouldn't get that Mania payday? I think you're always upset you don't get a Mania payday. But, no, it was uh, – you know, my, my time there was done, so I wasn't upset about not being there. For these shows, does WWE bring in additional production for this, or is it all in-house? They just put all hands on deck. 
I'm sure they always, I think anytime they go, there's always people that they bring, no matter where they go, they always bring in like some of the, uh, the local crews or whatever to help out. And on, on a show that big, they have to have more people. Just, I don't see how they couldn't. Do they, do they do like big production meetings before this show? Maybe the day before anything like that, where Vince or anybody is like, okay, want this shit to run as smooth as possible. Here's how it's going down. Anything of that nature. Well, I'm sure they do. I mean, are you are you asking all, all talent included? Well, did they, in back, then? Did they uh, back then? Yeah, for the talent. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Uh, production uh, production meeting doesn't include talent. Production. Meeting, Sorry about that. Talent meeting. Yeah. Yeah, talent meeting. Uh, no, nah, no. Nah, we we knew. You don't have to tell nobody to step it up at WrestleMania. If you do, they probably shouldn't be at the fucking show anyway. True. You know, so well, maybe uh, Snooky maybe Snooky needs some motivation. Could be. Could be. What do you think about Shaq trying to wiggle his way out of a match with Big Show? Have you seen the way fucking Big Show looks? Yeah, that's what I was saying. I don't fucking blame him at this point. They're missing a damn opportunity right here with with Big Show. And I know he's been done and he's flip-flopped to death, but he's looking better now than he's ever had. Man, there's a story to tell there with, you know, somebody like that that, you know, it's easy to dig deep and fight and scrap when you got nothing. Because you have to survive like that. Yeah, that's that's an easy story to tell. That's a story we've heard a million times. You always hear these people, you know, I didn't have nothing, so I had to do this. Yeah, well, most people don't have a lot. That's why you have to do it. But when you got millions like Big Show does, when you've been to the top of the mountain a bunch of times, and you don't have to go back no more, you got nothing to prove, but still you do it once again. There's a great story there to tell with the Big Show and what he's done with himself, man. I like to see him just off the strength of the work that he's put in alone. I like to see them do something really special with him in the next year or so and, and highlight what, what how remarkable that is. To your point, and I know you'll understand what I'm about to talk about, how many times have, have MMA fans bought hook, line, line, and sinker the motivated BJ Penn shit? Time and yeah. time again they buy it. So you mean to tell well, me you used to be true by that? Yeah, did you? It used to be true. Yeah. He was, you know, he used to be a monster. Now, well, he's, they just got him another fight with fucking Dennis. Dennis Seaver, probably, probably the fight he should ha- have had. I mean, Dennis Seaver's a little older as well. Yair Rodriguez was not the fight to give BJ Penn. No, not at all. <laughs> oh man, that, that was a, that was a rough one. Anything about your WrestleMania experiences people might not know or we might not have touched on. Uh, the WrestleMania in LA is where I bought the leather green jacket that you always see on Impact now. Really? Where'd you buy that at? It was at Universal City Walk, uh, you know, because we're right there um, at Universal. And there's all these little cool-ass shops and stuff. And uh, I was dating uh, Velvet Sky at the time, and we're just walking. So I brought her out there with me, and we're walking down. And there it is in one of the windows, and it's the exact color as my Huracycle. You know, my, my personal motorcycle that I had at home and that leather jacket. And I just like, holy shit, that can't be a coincidence. I just happened to be out here. You know, this is fate. This is fate drawing me to this jacket. And I go in there and of course it's L.A. So it's fucking, you know, twice as more as expensive as it would normally be. So it was like 350, 400 bucks, you know, maybe maybe even 500. I remember it was expensive as shit, but, you know, the kid was rolling. So I said, fuck it. And uh I bought it, but I never really wore it anywhere because I don't ride when it's cold. Mm-hmm. And when it's hot, why you got a big, thick-ass leather jacket on? And it is a real leather jacket, so uh, I never really got to get that much use out of it until this run as a my managerial 
Brian and, and Impact Wrestling. So I bought that there. Um, other than that, trying to think of all the different cities it would be in. I mean, I knew uh, to the WrestleMania in Houston was, I think, the first year that WrestleCon started to do a lot of stuff. Or maybe WrestleCon wasn't big then yet. But there were other companies I started to pick on, like Dragon Gate and Ring of Honor. They're doing stuff in the same town at WrestleMania. And I remember thinking, that's a great idea. And that's going to get bigger every year. And uh, because I had conversations with guys, they were like, man, ain't nobody going to go to that shit. They're spending all their money yeah. on WrestleMania. And I'm like, no, nah, man. I said, people are going to nope. go and say, this year is going to get bigger. I knew it would get bigger and bigger every year. So uh, that, that's why, like, even now, WrestleMania is my favorite time of the year because – like man, if you're a talent and you're not getting booked WrestleMania weekend, like what the fuck are you doing? You need yep. you need to you're doing something wrong, you know, or or you're just not doing enough because there's so much going on. Uh, Orlando this year is going to be fucking insane. You know, I I got like five or six different appearances. You were just telling me about one off air, which I don't even fucking know. I, evidently, I've agreed to something. Uh, Matt's Matt's wrestling. Matt Riddle's wrestling like eight times, I think. It's, Man, Matt it's Riddle is absurd. getting a lot of hype. I don't even—I've never even met that motherfucker, and I like him, but uh, he's getting a lot of hype. So I, I look forward to uh, maybe meeting him. I get, I get him to talk about shooting on Goldberg on the podcast, and we run that shit everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good story, good story. Yeah, he uh, there was a—he's—he's he's a lot smarter than people realize. Like, you know, he's got the—the, the, I mean, you—you you knew. I'm sure you're familiar with his UFC run. He had the yeah. stoner reputation and all that stuff. Yeah. Here's a funny spot when he left UFC. Dana White's on uh, the old Fox Sports Live, and he's talking shit to Chael Sonnen about Matt Riddle. And he goes, this dummy couldn't show up two times a year and pass a drug test? And Chael Sonnen's just looking at the camera like, uh, neither could I. <laughs> but there was a cool spot. Like, I was giving Matt a little shit. I was like, man, you're doing death matches this weekend? Like, what the fuck are you doing? He wrestles barefoot, and there was this cool spot where – he came running at the guy, and the guy just threw thumbtacks down, and Matt had to stop dead in his tracks. Like, <laughs> I was like, I, like I was like, that's that's great. And he's on a ten day tour of Europe right now before he comes that's back over. I could never do. I could never wrestle barefoot. I can't work without my knee pads. And yeah. if you ever see those little black elbow pads, they're not even thick padding. Yeah. But if I don't have them on, it fucks with my head. I have to have them on. Like you, you think people can- look weird without them too. Sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. some, sometimes they do. Uh, oh, you talking about without knee pads? Yeah, anytime, like, uh, yeah. anytime I see a wrestler without knee pads, I'm like, it just looks absurd to me. Even Brock. Like Brock yeah. would have, you know, when he had his MMA shorts on, I know he yeah. had knee pads. Like that shit just looks silly to me. And um, aesthetically, in, it just looks better when you got knee pads. Yeah, Matt wrestles in just his, his little t- tight shorts, no knee pads, no elbow pads. I mean, it kind of works for him because yeah, that's it's what people have seen him in. That's what people have seen him in, but yeah, it makes more you- sense to that than other than say Kevin Von Erich, who his brothers had boots, and it's like he just couldn't afford them. I always want to know why don't you have boots? Like there needs to be a reason. See, see, Riddle's got a reason. It goes back to his MMA background. I can get behind that. As I, yeah. I'd rather see a motherfucker in boots, but for him, there's a reason he doesn't have them. So I can deal with it. You know, I can deal with Umaga not having boots. Yeah, you know? I, I don't like to even grapple without wrestling shoes on because i mean the pressure on the ankle and all that stuff and all the little bones yeah crazy to think uh before we go i wanted to ask did you watch any of the d1 wrestling championships 
Uh, only a little bit, and I couldn't tell you uh, when it was on at the time when I had time to watch it, it was people I didn't know. You know, I know uh, uh, my guy Kevin Jack from NC State ended up coming in third. You know, I really had high hopes. He, you know, the, the guy he lost to was a fucking stud, so it is what it is, you know. Um, but, you know, wrestlers uh, coming in third sometimes isn't as bad as coming in second because in second you still lose. When you come in third, you generally lost earlier in the tournament. You drop the consolation. You still end with a win. So uh, third is good, you know. Third in the nation, yeah. That's not bad at all, so it's good. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad to see that it just seemed to have a lot of hype this year. You know, anytime, you know, amateur wrestling gets a lot of hype, I'm excited for those guys. It's such a hard, you know, it's the most difficult sport to me, so. I really loved it, and I didn't get to watch any of it, but I saw girls interested in it because Helen Marolis, she won the Olympic gold medal last year. That got a lot of girls interested in some grappling. We saw a little uptick in, like, local grappling classes, women joining that because of that, and Kayla Harrison. And So I would, I'm thrilled to see that. Helen Marolis is a girl. I, wouldn't, I, I would be surprised if wrestling companies, MMA companies, everybody wasn't after her. So glad to see that. And, hey, we're getting back to that, that thing where – you got guys like Chad Gable and Jeff Cobb and all these guys with these great amateur backgrounds, and they're rocking the shit. So I love to see that. Uh, guys, next week we're going to do a mailbag episode. Uh, I don't know when we'll film it because I don't know when the hell you leave. When do you leave? Uh, I have to check. I haven't even, hadn't even looked. Any questions you all want asked, if you all want me to say Shane Helms, F. Mary Kill, Ed Nornholm, Dixie Carter, Jeff Jarrett, what would your answer be? <laughs> yeah, I have to think about that. <laughs> I'm sure you hey, will. Who I go, I want to say, go see Kong. That shit is awesome. Uh, I thought it was just going to be a regular King Kong movie. That shit is fucking really good. And Iron Fist is really good. Don't listen to any of the bad reviews. Those people are full of shit. It's not whitewashing. He was always white. It's just a white person immersed in the Asian culture. That shit actually happens. I've been to Japan a bunch of times. It's fucking awesome over there. I didn't come back from it, never wanting to go back. Like, I still want to go back. So. Yeah. Iron Fist is really good. Legion is absolutely you, ridiculously good. You just so, can't unless you wrestle for fucking Inoki. Yeah, I'm still under that contract, man. The, contract. the ongoing theme. We're going to figure this out. Uh, send in any questions. I'll compile them. We'll talk about them. Uh, Shane's got a busy weekend next weekend. Of course, Matt has a busy weekend too, so I'll try to get those podcasts out in a timely fashion. Of course, guys, we're covering – everything mania week from wwe nxt impact wrestling on thursday night all the stuff on flow slam we got a bunch of coverage shane what shirt are you wearing this week what the fuck is that that doesn't seem like one of your usual garbs that's a heisenberg shirt oh i like it i like it one of my favorite remember remember my name you think he's alive or dead oh he's alive i do too did i tell you did i ever tell you my my ending for uh, Breaking Bad, like what a fan should make that this is how it ends. They should have had Heisenberg walk into like some abandoned, uh, not abandoned, but walk into a hotel room. The door shuts behind him and say like, your view is you see Heisenberg coming, you know, he shuts the door like, and then you see a needle come in from the neck and it's Dexter. Ah. That shit would have been awesome. I'm I'm not as big on that. I'm not as big on Better Call Saul, but I think the most fascinating like three or four minutes every season of that is when you see Saul Goodman present day, and I'm just waiting yeah. for a door to close, and there's Walter White, 
and he oh, somehow yeah. fucking escaped. Uh, go look at if you are a Breaking Bad fan, go check out some of the the theories on him being alive. Shane, anything else you got before we go? Obviously, follow him at Shane Helms Com. Uh, no, at Shane Helms Com cross platform is uh, where to find me on everything. Uh, thanks for the fans that came out in West Virginia. I had a really fun time. Uh, my first time being back in a ring at an indie show in quite a while, so it was fun. Uh, and apparently, I'm back taking the taking the full bumpers again because the kid is jacked. Um, but so you'll be seeing more of me and more and more. Has they have Shane back in the ring? Can I say free plug for you there, yes, sir? <laughs> Guys, follow me at Sean Ross Sap. Follow us at Fightful Online, Twitter and Facebook, and also at Fightful MMA at Fightful Wrestle. Uh, I'm doing a members only show this Friday. We're gonna talk a little. We're just gonna talk shit. Catch you guys later. We're out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.